As many of you know, I have a pizza tour business in Chicago, and while a lot of our guests love to indulge in the raw bulk sausage that's pinched and pressed onto our pies before baking, not everyone eats pork. Thank goodness Fontanini has the solution, chicken and beef meatballs. They're always mixed with ricotta and house-grated Romano, along with their blend of herbs and spices. Fontanini only uses select cuts of chicken and beef, offering their customers more choices no matter what their religious or dietary restrictions. This summer, you'll also see them halal certified, so go ahead and throw them on your naan with some tikka masala sauce. Get a free sample of the new chicken and beef meatballs at fontanini.com slash pizza city, or go to Fontanini brand on Instagram and click the link in the bio to let them know you heard about it from Pizza City. And I always said, when I look down at my pizza, like from the top, like you're saying, 10 miles up, when I look down, I want to see a round circle that has all different types of textures, you know, black spots, bubbles, the really white mozzarella that's barely cooked, the, the burnt pieces. Frank Pinello has spent the better part of the last 15 years focused pretty intently on pizza. From his childhood in Brooklyn and Long Island, through professional stints at Polino's, Roberta's, and finally Best Pizza. The Williamsburg slice joint is revered due in no small part to Pinello's attention to detail and a secret in his sauce. The story behind Best Pizza, straight ahead. I need a deep dish sausage and a thin pepperoni for here. This is Pizza City, the podcast dedicated to the art, craft, and passion behind some of the world's greatest pizzas. I'm Steve Dolinsky, author of Pizza City USA and founder of Pizza City USA Tours in Chicago. And welcome, everybody. Great to have you along with us for another edition of Pizza City. We are headed to New York City on this week's show. Talking to Frank Pinello, uh, many of you will recognize that name from the Pizza Show on the Munchies uh, Network, on Vice Network, excuse me, the Munchies, I guess is the uh, series on Vice. And I met Frank a couple of years ago when he was in Chicago taping the episode. Funny enough, I ran into him a couple, like two years ago, right before the pandemic, in um, outside of Austin, Texas, of all places. He was shooting a show about barbecue, and I just happened to be at Snow's on an early Saturday morning, and there he was doing a stand-up. Anyway, Frank uh, is a graduate of the Culinary Institute of America. He did stints with Nate Appleman, whom you're going to hear about today. And then early days at Roberta's, back when they were just getting started um, as a reputation for a great pizza place, he made such an impression on the owners there, they asked him if he would run, at the time, a new concept in Williamsburg, they were going to call Best Pizza. And after proving he could take pizza to new heights, along with the help of his two very talented friends, I mean, such pedigrees you're going to hear about today, ended up working in this pizza shop. Um, he bought the business from those original folks, the owners of Roberta's, and he is now running the show. Uh, we met, as I said, a couple of years ago on Chicago's Southwest side at Vito and Nick's, where he got really uh, schooled on proper Midwestern tavern-style pizza. We literally crushed a whole pie together. A lot of fun. I just loved his enthusiasm and his energy, 
but also the fact that he has the chops. I mean, he he spent the time, he's logged the time, certainly in, in front of a pizza oven uh, at several places, and has worked with very well-respected uh, pizza makers. Now, since I still had his cell phone, I figured I'd ask him if he'd like to be on the show, because I was in New York about oh, two months ago or so. Uh, not only did he say yes, but he also managed to pick me up in his gigantic SUV. A new thing here on Pizza City, the podcast, we are beginning the show in a car. Uh, we're sitting in traffic with our guest today, Frank Pinello, founder of Best Pizza in Williamsburg. We're on our way to the pizzeria. Uh, Frank, thanks for driving. My pleasure, my pleasure. And when I saw the opportunity, I said, you know what? I'm not letting Steve jump in an Uber or a taxi. Do you recall your earliest pizza memory? Specific earliest pizza memory? No. But what I do recall very, very vaguely is that, um, you know, me and my brother are very close in age. He's about two years apart, a little less, 22 months. And we're also very close. We're like, he's, he's, like my, he's my best friend. We lived in Brooklyn, then moved to Long Island. My whole family's from one block in 66th Street in, in uh, Bensonhurst. So we, were, we packed up every Friday, even when we moved to Long Island, and came back and stayed at my grandmother's house. It was really my first memory is the, the feeling of having freedom and having like my money in my pocket, my nonna used to give us like, you know, two or three dollars. We ride our bikes down to 18th Avenue, you know, go to Da Vinci's or to JMV. 20 inch round, cut into wedges, foldable. Exactly, your classic New York slice. Before I went to work, I stopped at JMV every day, like, and ate a slice of pizza. And I, I thought a lot about, you know, that's when I was working in high-end restaurants. I was, I was either working for Appleman at the time, or I was... Nate know, Appleman. Yes, Nate Appleman. Or I was staging at Lydia's, <clears throat> which is Lydia's first restaurant. Lydia Bastianich. So you were working your way up in some pretty high-profile, intense, intense kitchens. Were you thinking, like, I'm going to have a pizza joint at some point, or are you just kind of trying to learn as much as you could about culinary? Oh, no, I never wanted to open a pizzeria. I, I was... It was all about working, fine dining whether it be French, New American, maybe going to Europe. You know, I, I really looked as, at food as art. Right around that time, Chipotle had opened, and Steve Ells was a graduate of CIA, and they talk a lot about Steve and him bringing food with integrity to the quick service industry. And, you know, I started the ideas of pizzerias and fine dining, blending the two. All those thoughts started to come together then. So then when did you decide to take the plunge and, and jump into pizza full-time? So my mother in the background while I was at CIA would say, you should open up a pizzeria, you know, there's, there's good money in pizza, you know? And I would say, Ma, why the hell would I come to CIA and spend all this money if I'm going to open a pizzeria? I just go work for the best pizza guys we know, you know? And she goes, well, I don't know, you know, fine dining was never a thing. I, we never went out to dinner. After spending some time in restaurants, and then I actually took a job at Chipotle. 
you know, this is before Nate became the chef. And by the way, just for folks who don't know, Nate Appleman, I remember when he was in San Francisco at A16 making remarkable pizzas. And we had um, Tandy Wilson on the show a while back from Nashville, from City House. And they had collaborated as well. So Nate has been around for quite a while. But back in the day, I think he sort of cut his teeth making great pizzas in San Francisco, right? Yeah, making great pizzas, but also he used whole animals, right? And he was one of the first chefs to really make whole animal programs a part of of the restaurant. So he would reinforce food with all these different parts of the animal. After the Chipotle days, which I fell in love with the way the back of the house was run and training large crews, running multiple places, um, yeah, great experience. Yeah, they actually were recruiting CIA kids for this idea called the Model A Chipotle, where they cooked everything fresh, right? So we kind of got recruited to this program. We were fast-tracked to, to, to GMs. So I ended up being the general manager of the NYU store in like a couple of weeks. So usually that program took, you know, a year or so. And we used to go to Blue Hill and and uh, set up when they were doing their harvest party. And I remember being at Blue Hill and, and meeting Dan and talking to the farmers and just saying, you know, I need to go work. I need to go back into fine dining, you know? And it was all over, you know, New York Times, every magazine. Nate Appleman just won the James Beard Award for the Rising Chef, SBQR, and and really A16, how, what a fantastic restaurant it was. Him and his whole team coming to New York. Who was he gonna open with? I realized that it was gonna be a pizzeria, you know? And it was right downtown. So I left and I worked for Nate and that was the experience of a lifetime. One of the first employees that I meet when I uh, go to Polino's is this long-haired hipster you know, kid that was wearing, you know, boat, white boat shoes in the kitchen, really good cook, named Anthony Falco, a very talented pizza maker. And at the time, he was actually working the line at Polino's and working at Roberta's. And Anthony's a renaissance man. He'd be making t-shirts, making videos with Angelo Womack, doing all this interesting stuff. And, um... You know, he happened to be working at Polino's, but he didn't want to work at pizza at that time. He wanted to work the ovens, uh, the other side of the ovens, like doing just hot, hot, uh, hot plates and, you know, the steaks and stuff that Nate, all the interesting stuff that Nate was doing on the other side. I ended up being the oven man, so I would cook every pizza for every single person that worked in, that walked in on the Friday and Saturday nights. And how long before you felt really comfortable at the oven then? You know what? It, that oven was tough. That one took a while. and But when I got it, I got it. Nate was really pushing the levels of hydration at that point. He was pushing fermentation. He was so ahead of his time that people are doing now the things that he was doing, you know, 12 years ago. And one day, Anthony Falco says, this is going to be my last day. You know, I'm going to head up Roberta's mobile pizza oven. I go, what do you mean mobile pizza oven? He goes, they put a wood fire oven on the trailer. No one has done this at this point. As he's walking out, I go, hey, Ant, take my cell number. Because at that point, we hadn't even exchanged numbers. It was only a short period of time. I go, if you ever need help, you know, call me. 
And shortly after that, it was the summer, it was 4th of July weekend, and he called me and he goes, you know, it's 4th of July weekend, you know, I need somebody to cover for me, are you free? I said, yes. You know, Roberta's to me was like really cool. You know, I love Nate, I was very happy where I was working, but Roberta's, I had, you know, two really cool dining experiences and I thought it'd be a great place to like work on my days off. And after a few months there, um, they asked me to come meet them in the garden at Roberta's and I had no idea why and I showed up and it was all the owners. Chris said, we have this opportunity. Um, we came across this place in Williamsburg and uh, it has a bona fide old school coal oven and we would love to do like a New York slice shop. Would you be interested in doing it with us? We know you have that experience. I remember that day like it was yesterday. I felt like uh, I just got signed by cash money. <laughs> I hired my two best friends who were high-end cooks. You know, one came from Tabla, the other one was working at Danielle. At that point, there was the pizza, at best pizza was the best. Akil used to caramelize onions with his eyes closed. It's not an easy thing to do when you have to finesse it, you know? But they would come out dark and jammy and delicious. We're almost there. Um, we're gonna find a place to park. And once we get to best, we'll talk about the pizza specifically. We're also gonna preview some scenes for our next show coming up in a couple of weeks, so stay with us. Cheese is something we talk a lot about here on the show. It's vital to the success of any great pizzeria. Selecting one that performs the way you need it to is one of the most important elements to pizza making. Baccio cheese is an exceptional Italian pizza cheese made with a secret, a kiss of buffalo milk. Made with high quality, grade A milk, it goes from cow to cheese in just 48 hours. It melts and reheats beautifully, giving you lovely pulls and stretches. Pizza makers all over the country are turning to Baccio, guys like Greg Kahn, the owner of Gregorio's Trattoria in Bethesda, Maryland. We make a, a New York style pizza, it's all hand tossed. The Baccio cheese is the perfect complement. It's very consistent from case to case. We buy the shredded whole milk. I do like the kiss of buffalo milk. Well, consistency is everything. The, the guest that comes in, they want the same pizza today that they got last week, and that happens uh, with Baccio product each and every case. I've been using the diced part skim and whole milk, uh, embedding it into the top of the dough like I've seen them do at uh, Geno's in Williston Park on Long Island. I'm also doing the block of whole milk, which I'm slicing for my Stevie squares, kind of a hybrid of a deep dish and a focaccia. So here's the deal. Schedule a demo to try Baccio cheese today at no cost. Just go to BaccioCheese.com slash PizzaCityUSA. That's BaccioCheese.com slash PizzaCityUSA to schedule your free demo. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're here at Best Pizza in Williamsburg with Frank Pinello, um, owner, chef, founder. Um, and Frank has brought a couple of slices out to try. Now, I jumped right into this grandma because I had this about three years ago when I first came here. And I was just haunted by how good this sauce was. But, Frank, I want to ask you kind of, it seems like a lot of pizzerias these days in New York have to do either a Sicilian or a grandma and the traditional slice. And even within those categories, you're getting very creative because I see here like a market vegetable driven grandma. I think the square pizza has always been sort of woven into the fabric of um, <clears throat> pizza culture in New York, you know. 
Traditionally, it was the thick Sicilian, you know, when you went to pizzerias, the, the normal uh, selection was a, a round or a square, and the square was a really thick Sicilian, and if you had a good pizza guy, he would say, you want the corner or the middle, you know, because some people like the more crust, some people like the more dough. Anyway, as time went on, uh, specifically the pizzeria in Long Island, Umberto's and King Umberto's, two different places, made these wonderful thinner versions of the Sicilian which we, they were calling grandma. Now around that time I think it was also like the Atkins diet time you know when everyone was getting scared of carbs but the traditional square shouldn't be heavy you know it should sit light if you're proofing it right and uh, we you just talk about yeah. talk about this grandma here for example this is just beautiful it's maybe at the most a half an inch high it is quite crispy in the undercarriage. There's a little bit of sort of brown charring underneath there. Uh, but tell me about how you, how you come up with this grandma. So basically we wanted to make a rustic pizza or when I was doing the R&D, these four pizzas that you have right now are our original slices, right? The four slices we put out. That grandma happened to be one of my favorite slices. So instead of going with the thick Sicilian, we went with the grandma. So rustic style, the sauce isn't cooked, but what we do is make it very herbaceous. Um, we crush the tomatoes by hand, you know, of course the guy's got the long gloves on, put it in a big bowl, crush the tomatoes by hand, hit it with a bunch of different herbs, and there's a little bit of anchovies that we sneak in there. So three years ago when I was here, <laughs> and I was with my sister actually, we were both visiting, and I, I couldn't... I was like, what is that factor that is making this so delicious? And I bugged and I bugged and I bugged the woman behind the counter, and she finally admitted anchovy. And that's and the umami that would, makes it so desirable. The truth is, we're supposed to really disclose that to all of our customers. But, um, you know, for instance, for 18 liters or 22 liters, depending on what batch of sauce we make, there's maybe two anchovy fillets. So the idea was for... They're not to be anchovy taste, but exactly what you said, that that umami, that thing that fish sauce does to Asian food, they add a salinity that has like an addictive quality to it. Is that something you learned from elsewhere or just for your culinary career, you're like, I've got to integrate anchovies into my sauce at some point? Well, throughout my culinary career, I started to realize that the stuff that was really potent and really stinky and nasty in batches, you know, like whether it was cheese or whether it was anchovies or fish sauce, fish sauce for instance, um, if you use them right and you just used the, the, the perfect amount of, of one of those products, for instance, the anchovies here, that the anchovy nastiness or um, unpleasantness that people find in anchovies sometimes it disappears and all you get left with is this really what it is it's an addictive umami okay what about the cheese on this grandma so all of our cheese is uh is fresh mozzarella that we pull you know so like i tell people we don't make cheese you know we're not taking raw milk and then turning it into cheese but we do buy curd every day here we have a very specific temperature we heat our water to um we you know, do kits of curd the day before, we let it sit out at room temperature, mix it with salt, and then essentially make our own, and I would say it's a mix between a fresh and a low moisture mozzarella, so a medium moisture 
more towards a fresh mozzarella logs ourselves essentially and then we run them through you know uh the the, the 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 cheese grater so you get those beautiful bands that you would see at a pizzeria and then the the dough itself um anything special in terms of your flour or your fermentation yeah so right from the beginning you know i, I wasn't a, about like you know the all trump romated flour and that's why so like our pizza is thin and it, it sits pretty light um but it doesn't have that uh sort of you know and and we just up the grams so there's a lot of grams in the dough um, even for a 20 inch pie, but it's organic flour blend. Uh, there's a double zero in there, which you mentioned the char and the grandma. When you add a, a, a high quality, fine graded uh, flour to your mix, it allows the char to not taste burnt, but taste sweet. We also have a mother dough, which we started a, a starter year. This has been a bakery for 100 years, and I started a little flour and water just left it right up on on the counter figured there'd be some natural yeast in the air there was it got active from there we made our first batch of dough and a piece of that first batch of dough is in it every every pizza so in other words it carries on on the grandma pizza the oregano is in the sauce but on the um the round pizza the regular slice we hit it you know, we sauce the pizza, we open up the dough, sauce the pizza, and then hit it with a, a pinch of oregano. And to me, uh, dried oregano is the flavor of New York pizza. And you, you, brought, you got a couple different slices here. One of these is a classic slice. Another one's got this perimeter of a lot of sesame seeds. I'm reminded of a place that Pauly G took me to in Queens, I think, with lots of sesame on it. But yeah. Um, yeah. is that supposed to mimic like a sesame bagel or something? Why all the sesame on the outer rim of the, the heel here? Well, it's funny that there's really two answers. One is that um, I'm Sicilian. Both of my parents are from Sicily, and in Sicily you see a lot of Sicil you see a lot of um, sesame seeds and bacon. Whether it's on uh, the brioche, you know, uh, like a lot of times you see uh, uh, panne panelli, which is like a brioche sandwich with chickpea flour patties inside that are fried, and there's always seeds on the top. So. Sesame seeds, Sicilian bacon is a big thing. And as a kid, you know, I ate pizza a lot, but I remember going to a pizzeria that used to put seeds around the crust, and I had never seen it before. And then uh, across my pizza journeys, you see it here and there, you know, very rarely. And I said to myself, why don't people do that more when we were first doing the R&D here 10 years ago, you know, going on 11. So I, uh, at the time, the guys from Roberta's were my partners, and they asked me to make pizzas the first day we met, and I brought my bag of special ingredients. I brought sesame seeds along, and they all looked at each other and nodded their heads. So um, they loved it. It does add, uh, you know, there's caramelized onions in there. I love to pull those nostalgic cords when I can, and it does feel almost like a, an onion bagel, everything bagel, or, or it's reminiscent of that in a way. Looking down at the cheese slice, it's quite white, so there's obviously some fresh mutts, but it looks like like you're looking down, you're, you're 10 miles up in the air, and you're looking down at the earth, and you see sort of the mottled, the, the, a little bit of char, a little bit of white, a little bit of sauce, it, the balance is there. Um, how long does it take to figure this out, to, to know that you've got the right slicer? Because this looks like a textbook New York slice. Wow, that's quite a compliment, thank you. Um, well, to me, Right around the time we opened, um, 
you know, I grew up during the pizza era in New York in the 80s and even before that, that pizza was amazing. There was a lot of old timers, guys that barely spoke English making it and they really knew how to ferment the dough. You know, especially, especially in Italy, all over Europe, they talk about digestion a lot, you know. Here, you don't talk, no one talks about it. They talk about cheese, they talk about this and that, but fermentation is a big part of it. Also, we have a 110-year-old wood fire oven, which I'll show you quickly. Um, the dollar slice was popular when I took over and when I came in and opened Best Pizza. And uh, every pizza had that mundane, pasty, congealed look to it. And it didn't look artisanal, didn't look handmade, didn't look anything like that. It just looked like this factory, I don't know what it was. It was just not, not, a, not appetizing looking pizza. So I always said to myself, you know, you go to these great Italian bakeries and you see black spots on the, on the, on the bread and flour, you know, and there's something about it looks handmade. And I always said, when I look down at my pizza, like from the top, like you're saying, 10 miles up, when I look down, I want to see a round circle that has all different types of textures, you know, black spots, bubbles, the really white mozzarella that's barely cooked, the, the burnt pieces, and um, of course, you know, uh, around the crust, you know, handmade artisanal look. And you bake these in, in wood fire and then you reheat them in a gas fire? Yeah, so that's that's basically that's basically the deal. Um, and if anybody orders a pie here, they get a pie straight out of the oven from the wood fire oven, right? Um, if somebody orders a pie for delivery, we cook it in the wood fire oven and then we'll hit it in the gas for maybe the last 10% just to suck out a little extra moisture so when the pizza does get to the customer in hopes that the cardboard box will reconstitute it with steam. So instead of it being soggy, it has a little bit of that crispiness to it from the oven because it's hard to avoid that when you put the, a crisp, nice crispy pizza into a, into a pizza box. We'll be right back. You love the sound of dough being transformed into crust. But what about the dough in your pocket? If you make pizzas for a living, then you know a fully loaded oven affects heat recovery time and makes everything take longer. That affects your bottom line. Say hello to Pizza Master, the most powerful electric oven on the market. It has clay ceramic hearthstones. That means crispy crust every time. And talk about precision. You can adjust both the top and bottom heating elements to make any style of pizza, which is what Jonathan Goldsmith was looking for when deciding what to do with his VPN-certified Neapolitans during the pandemic. We realized early on that we were not going to make it if we were relying on our two wood-burning ovens. And when talking to many of my cherished, uh, respected colleagues, such as Tony Gimiani, John Arena, about using the Pizza Master not only for the gluten-free, but for the Neapolitan. The pizza coming out of the lower temp with a different quality of bake would actually be better in the service of uh, pizzas a trasporto for the pizzas to go. Plus the ability to get up to 932 degrees combined with exceptional recovery heat allows for high capacity output during peak times. That's money in your pocket. They've got 85 different sizes, more than 1,500 models, and a million oven combinations. They've also got demo kitchens all over the country, so go take one for a test drive. Visit mpmfoodequipment.com and use the promo code PIZZACITY 
to get a free swag bag at your demo. That's mpmfoodequipment.com and request your test bake or demo today. Welcome back, everybody. We pick up our conversation with Frank Pinello talking about a farmer's market-driven grandma slice rarely seen in New York City. It's actually more of a play on, like, a veggie slice, you know. I, I'm kind of obsessed with that, this idea of making pizza as healthy as it could be. So um, I'm experimenting a lot with whole wheat flour, mixing in whole wheat flour, milling flour. I've been experimenting with that stuff since the beginning. And um, so it always made me laugh when you asked for veggie slice at a place and it was these frozen broccoli and the carrots with the little ridges on it, you know, or mushrooms out of the can. It just never was real vegetables. And we have beautiful vegetables, the Hudson Valley Farmer's Market. So that was my attempt at um, a veggie slice. And the rule is, is that, you know, the guys here, uh, we have some really young, talented cooks. And it's a, use three vegetables and every two weeks or so, switch them up. With one veggie kind of being the standout, like for instance, the, the beans are just popping out of the ground right now, you know. So those snap peas are, are, the, are the kind of featured vegetable. But then we also have beautiful golden beets, excuse me and the cabbage so uh, they made a great one the other day it was it was a uh, chickpea puree right a little olive oil and then um, they had uh, sunchokes on it that they roasted in the wood fire oven that was really delicious and escarole that we sauteed and then finished in the oven so uh, just the flavor of it was so good it's funny that sounds like what uh dave is doing over at uh philomena's he's got a chickpea base with like a rapini situation on top which is great also oh, no kidding. is the crust chickpea or that sauce sauce is chickpea Ooh, interesting okay so all right so final question we ask all our guests on the show here um knowing what you know now about pizza which is certainly a lot what would you have told your younger self just before you opened up here to be successful in pizza I think the main thing I would have told my younger self is um, is take it easy, you know, and that this is a marathon, it's not a sprint, and, you know, um, I never imagined, I, I feel very blessed, and I, I, I'm very lucky, I thank God every day because I'm doing what I love to do, but uh, uh, there's an art to saying no when you get to a level of, like, people asking you to do pizzerias and stuff, so I, I wish I learned kind of um, to pace myself a little bit more, I'll spend a little bit more time, you know, uh, paying attention to the details, which we went back and did, but um, sometimes I feel really burnt out, and I'm, I'm in the game 10 years as an owner, uh, been doing it for probably 15, almost 20, but, um, you know, I, I feel like I'm 60. I'm just guessing it probably makes you feel good. You look through the window here inside your store and you see a couple of kids in strollers. Uh, you are literally creating their pizza memory for what they will consider excellence moving you know, this point forward as they get older. So here they are like four or five years old and this is going to be their pizza cognition theory. This is going to be their pizza of their childhood. All pizzas from this point forward will be judged based on the, the best pizza experience. Uh, the restaurant, again, it's called Best Pizza. It's in Williamsburg. Um, Frank Pinello, what a pleasure. Great having you on the show. Thanks for your time today. The pleasure was mine, Steve. I had a great time with you in Chicago. It's nice to see you here in New York. And watching kids eat the pizza is one of my favorite things out of this whole experience. It's watching the joy of them eating it and them growing up. It's part of this whole thing, what makes it so special. 
All right, coming up in two weeks, Joe Quercia may have been born near Naples, but that doesn't mean he's a fan of tradition. I had some pizzas, uh, even in Italy, that are too wet in the middle for me. Says the Neapolitan guy. Yes, and even though you told them I want a little wall done, they getting a little bent out of shape. Maybe it is that tradition, it is that, but I like a little cooked in the middle. And I think they could uh, strain the tomatoes a little bit, like we do, because I want to be able to pick it up. I don't want to, you know, like it's soggy in the center. I'll talk with the 66-year-old owner of Freddy's Pizza in Cicero, Illinois, just outside Chicago, about how he started working there at 13 and never left. That's in two weeks on July 23rd. Remember to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Please tell a friend and rate us. We'd love to know what you think. Uh, like or dislike about this show. Either way, we want to always improve uh, on the program. We are at Pizza City USA on Instagram. Our website is pizzacityusa.com. That's where you can find info about our tours. We've got four public tours running every weekend through October. Bureaucratic wrote and performed our theme song, and here is wishing you an optimal bite ratio, always. Always.